You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Zags, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host as always, Stephen Carr, and before we get started today, you know the drill. College football is right around the corner, and the Locked On Network has you covered. If you're a Pac-12 fan, we've got the Locked On Pac-12 podcast hosted by Cindy Robinson. There's no better place to get all of your conference news than following all of our Locked On Conference podcasts on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Today is Wednesday, August 4th, and we are now 97 days away from opening night against Dixie State. Coming up on November 9th, and I meant to start this countdown on Monday of this week when we finally hit double digits, but I completely forgot. So we're starting it today instead, and each day up until that opening night, we are going to use that number in some way related to Gonzaga. It could be a meaningful statistic, it could be a jersey number, it could be anything. So today, we are 97 days away from opening night, which means 97 is the number of the day. And 97 is the number of three-pointers that Zach Norvell made in his sophomore season at Gonzaga. And only two players in school history have ever hit more in a single season. Dan Dickow and Blake Stepp. And they did it in back-to-back years. Dan Dickow hit 117 back in 2002, which is the school record currently. And to be honest, it might be one that never gets broken. And then the following year, Blake Stepp hit 98. And then there's Zach Norvell coming in at number three with 97 made three-pointers in the 2019 season. So that's what we're going to be doing now from the start uh, of each show from now until opening night. So tomorrow, find out the significance of 96 at the beginning of tomorrow's episode. Today on the show, we are looking back on the 2002 Gonzaga Bulldogs. I just mentioned Dan Dickow's historic season, and we will certainly be talking about that And of course, unfortunately, the very sad ending to that season. And then we'll finish the show today with our Path to Playing Time series talking about one of the freshmen on this year's roster, and that's Caden Perry. What does he have to do to crack the rotation? Before we get to all of that, a quick rundown of last night's NBA Summer League action. Let's start with Joel Ayayi because he started for the Los Angeles Lakers last night in their first game of the California Classic. Uh, He played 24 minutes for them, had eight points on three of seven shooting. He was one of four from deep and split a pair of foul shots. He had three rebounds, an assist, and a steal, and he only had one turnover. Unfortunately, that one turnover came in the final two minutes and led to the Miami Heat taking the lead uh, and ended up being the game-winning basket, I believe. So the Miami Heat won 80-78, to uh, but the Lakers will take on the Sacramento Kings tonight in Game 2, the final game of the California Classic. The Sacramento Kings took on the Warriors last night in the other game of the California Classic, and the Kings uh, have Jonathan Williams III on their roster, and he played 16 minutes off the bench for the Kings. He was two for three from the field for four points, and he had two offensive rebounds, and he didn't have any other stats. So four points, two rebounds, and 16 minutes off the bench. And now tonight, we're going to get Jonathan Williams the third going against a Joel Ayayi in the final game of the California Classic before those two teams head to Las Vegas and start play in the Las Vegas Summer League coming up Sunday and Monday uh, of this weekend. And then over in the Salt Lake Summer League, like I mentioned yesterday, the Salt Lake Summer League has... 
two Utah Jazz teams, and then two other NBA Summer League teams. And those two other teams happen to be Memphis and the San Antonio Spurs, who both roster former Gonzaga greats. Memphis Grizzlies, Killian Tilly. Uh, He started for the Memphis Grizzlies, played a team-high 22 minutes. He had seven points on three of nine shooting. He was one of four from deep, added three rebounds and two assists. Memphis absolutely smacked one of those Jazz teams, 104-65. to So it was nice to see Killian Tilly get some, uh, some meaningful playing time for the Memphis Grizzlies. I think they do really believe in him, uh, and hopefully he can get some rotation minutes next season now that it seems like he's pretty healthy. And then in the other game in the uh, Utah Summer League, San Antonio Spurs, they got smacked by the other Jazz team. So the first Jazz team loses by 40 to the Memphis Grizzlies, but the other Jazz team wins by 30 against the Spurs. Uh, So that's kind of interesting. Zach Norvell plays for the San Antonio Spurs, played 16 minutes off the bench, went 1 for 6 from the field, 0 for 4 from deep, just had 2 points. But he did have 3 assists and 2 steals, so he was affecting the game in some other ways. But hopefully Zach Norvell can bounce back tonight. It's the Memphis Grizzlies going up against the San Antonio Spurs tonight. And so it's going to be Zach Norvell facing off against Killian Tilly, two teammates uh, back in the 2019 Gonzaga Bulldogs. Okay, that's going to do it for the Summer League Rundown. Coming up, we will reminisce on the 2002 Gonzaga Bulldogs. Dan Dickhouse, historic season, one of the best regular season games in school history. And, of course, we will touch on the awful and depressing ending to the season. Before we get to that, of course, today's episode is being sponsored by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market. Built Bar is the amazing low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing-tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate in all bars. Yesterday, my dad texted me after eating a Built Bar, and he said it was one of the best built or one of the best protein bars he's ever had. So, if you want to take his word for it, feel free to go to the website and get a mixed box with multiple flavors. Salted caramel is what I liked, and it's actually what he liked as well. All of them are soft, easy to chew, and absolutely delicious. Not only do they taste great, but they're healthy too. They are great for the health-conscious guy and also for anyone looking to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Most Built Bars have 17 grams of protein and just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. So go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your next order. That's LOCK15 and get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Okay, let's get into it. The 2001-2002 Gonzaga Bulldogs will hop in the time machine and go back about 20 years. They enter the season losing Casey Calvary and Mark Spink. And to be honest, that's about it. So what they do is they give Corey Violet uh, a bigger role, and he produces a lot for them. He ended up having 12.8 points, 8.3 rebounds. And then Zach Gord takes on a larger role. And then freshman Roni Turioff enters the fold. Of course, freshman Roni Turioff um, was more just a role player than anything else. Averaged 7 points and 5 rebounds, but you could tell immediately once he stepped on campus that he was going to be something. And of course he was uh, in his final couple seasons in Spokane. But this team absolutely highlighted by Dan Dickow. Senior year Dan Dickow, one of the best players in Gonzaga history. Uh, He was a consensus All-American, the first Gonzaga consensus All-American. He was the 2002 WCC Player of the Year. Like I mentioned earlier in this show, he hit 117 threes his senior season, which is uh, just under four three-pointers a game. Uh, he has the school record for most threes in a game with nine. And he was one three-pointer shy of leading the entire country 
in three-pointers in that 2002 season. If you go back and watch a lot of these games, I mean, it is insane uh, how good Dan Dickow really was. And he kept that program elevated uh, after, you know, going to the Sweet After going to the Elite Eight and the Sweet 16, he comes in and he puts Gonzaga, you know, even higher on the map uh, because of his level of play. There's only one player in Gonzaga history to average 18 points and four assists in a season. And it's Dan Dickow, and he did it twice. He had 18 points and six and a half assists his junior year. And then his senior year in 2002, he had 21 points a game and 4.7 assists. Dan Dickow was that good. Um, and Gonzaga, you know, they entered the season with uh, fairly high expectations within because they were coming off a Sweet 16 season and they were returning the majority of their roster. And, uh, you know, they got hot at the end of that last season. I think they won, what did I say yesterday? I think it was 18 of 19 games uh, at the end of that 2001 season. So they knew they had something going into the 2002 season. Unfortunately, they played Illinois in the opener, which is about the hardest game you could possibly play. Illinois was ranked three, number three at the time. Bill Self was still the coach of Illinois uh, back then. And that Illinois team ended up going to the Sweet 16 and losing to Kansas. Of course, Kansas ends up hiring Bill Self uh, a few years later. But they bounce back with a few big wins. They beat St. John's. They beat Texas. They end up losing to Marquette in the championship of a tournament. But then they rattle off a bunch of wins in a row. And by a bunch, I mean 12 straight wins. They beat Fresno State on the uh, in a neutral site game. Fresno State was ranked 21 at the time. Coached by the great Jerry Tarkanian. They beat Washington on the road by 20. Uh, another huge win over Washington. Something that Gonzaga did consistently over the last 20 years. They beat Washington State at home. They beat New Mexico on the road in overtime. And then they beat St. Joe's on New Year's Eve of 2001 in what I think is one of the most underrated and probably best regular season games in Gonzaga history. Uh, that game, just like the Virginia game that I told you guys to go back and watch yesterday, the entirety of the Gonzaga St. Joseph's uh, regular season game, December 31st, 2001, is still available on YouTube. You should go back and watch it. It's Jameer Nelson for St. Joe's, and it's Dan Dickow for Gonzaga, and the two of them are just going back and forth. Dan Dickow ends up hitting a three with under five seconds to go to win the game, 83-80. to But it is an all-time classic Gonzaga game and really one of the best in school history. After the game, Mark Few said this, quote, that was one of the best games I've been involved in in a long time. There was a very high level of play, and there were two good teams slugging it out. And of course, Dan Dickow, ever confident, said, quote, I knew I wanted to take that shot and I thought I'd make it. In my mind, that's going to be my shot. And if you ask the other guys, they'd probably say the same thing. Dan Dickow finished the night uh, with 25 points, which is a team high. Zach Gord added 16. Blake Stepp hit five threes in that game and had 15 points. Bill Phillips was actually the star for uh, St. Joe's that night. Jameer Nelson was still, a, I want to say Jameer Nelson was a freshman uh, on that year's team. And the sophomore year, uh, Jameer Nelson ends up tearing up Gonzaga. But as a, as a freshman, Jameer Nelson, he had 13 points, but it was Bill Phillips who had 26 points uh, for St. Joe's that day. So at this point, Gonzaga has won 12 straight, and they're 15-2 and two leading into their game at Pepperdine in, uh, January 18th, 2002. And for those who weren't around back in you know the early 2000s or have not had a chance to go and watch these, the early 2000s, Gonzaga-Pepperdine games were absolutely electric. Like, this was the rivalry in the WCC. It was long before 
you know, St. Mary's and Gonzaga became the rivalry, or Gonzaga and BYU became the rivalry once BYU joined the conference. It was Gonzaga and it was Pepperdine. And oftentimes in the early 2000s, those teams would split uh, their season series. And that's exactly what happened in 2002. Gonzaga goes into Pepperdine uh, on January 18th, 2002, and Pepperdine beats them. They beat the 15-2 Gonzaga Bulldogs, 88-79. Uh, to 79. Gonzaga does not lose another game the rest of the season. They beat Pepperdine at home, 91-78. to 78. And then, of course, those two teams square off again for the WCC Championship. And just like in the year 2000, just like in the year 2001, uh, it's a classic WCC title game. Gonzaga is up big on Pepperdine for most of the night. Pepperdine comes storming back. Gonzaga ends up holding on in a very, very high-scoring affair, 96-90. to And so, Gonzaga gets to the NCAA tournament. And their record is 29-3. Gonzaga is 29-3. They have wins over St. Joe's. They have wins over Fresno State. They have a road win over Washington. They've got a neutral site win over St. John's in Texas. They beat New Mexico on the road. They are coming off three straight Sweet 16s. They just won the WCC title. They're 29-3. They're ranked number six in the country by the AP poll. And somehow, someway, in one of the most disrespectful seeds, not just in school history, but in NCAA tournament history, Gonzaga gets a number six seed in the NCAA tournament. Still baffling to this day. And I imagine if you talk to anybody uh, affiliated with the program at that time, they'll say the same thing. So they get a number six seed, and uh, they end up facing Wyoming in the first round. And unfortunately, we all kind of know how this game turns out. They go to play Wyoming in New Mexico. The, they're up four at halftime, but then they could not hit shots in the second half. And Wyoming um, came back and won that game. It was a very, very poor performance um, from beyond the arc. Gonzaga was 7 of 26, but it was even worse inside the arc. They shot 12 of 45. And for the game, 19 for 71. They shot 27% from the field. Blake Stepp, 1 for 13. Dan Dickow, 7 for 24. Obviously, uh, it's one of the more depressing endings to a season in Gonzaga history because that team deserved a better fate. They deserved better seeding. And Dan Dickow obviously deserved to go out in a better way than going 7 for 24 and having his team shoot 27% in an NCAA tournament game. So Wyoming uh, upsets Gonzaga in the first round of the NCAA tournament, and Gonzaga's season comes to an end, and Dan Dickow's college career comes to an end. He did have 27 or 26 points in that game, I should say. Um, he got to the foul line a bunch, but still 7 for 24. And Blake Stepp, who we'll talk about over the next couple of episodes as well, uh, was 1 for 13, as he did not have the greatest NCAA tournament history. So overall, in that 2002 season, Gonzaga had three double-figure scores. They had Dan Dickow with 21 points, Zach Gord, Second leading scorer. If you if you had a trivia question to a Gonzaga fan and you asked them who was the second leading scorer of that 2002 team, I don't think many people would say Zach Gord. They might say Blake Stepp or Corey Violet, and then they'd get to Zach Gord. But Zach Gord, 13.2 points, 6.4 rebounds. And then Corey Violet with 12.8 points, 8 rebounds. Blake Stepp, Roni Turioff, right around the 7, 8, 9 point range. So now I want to talk about their style of play. And it is fairly similar to the 2000 and the 2001 teams. Without Casey Cavalry, um, they weren't necessarily as 
interested in you know getting a ton of post isolations but they still did do a lot of high low uh, they did a ton of planned high low sets to get Corey violet the ball to get zach gord the ball and they were pretty efficient around the rim but they did start to do uh, a little bit more ball screening they had this horns stack series that they love to run uh, for dan dickow and blake step to get threes and it's essentially um, you got a point guard at the top of the key, and then on each elbow, you essentially have two guys. And, uh, you know, the point guard chooses which side to take a ball screen from. And whichever side gets that ball screen, the second guy in that stack essentially sets a back screen for the ball screener. And then on the opposite side of the court, there's a down screen happening. So there's a whole bunch of actions all going on at once. Uh, but a lot of the time, it leads to. Either a three from the, the weak side guy getting a pin down screen, which was oftentimes Blake's step, or it leads to a, a ball screen isolation or ball screen decision-making opportunity for Dan Dickow. And they really, really excelled uh, in those kinds of um, you know sets and opportunities for those two guys to make plays. And then if the defense is you know hedging or cheating out or doubling Dickow and step, that's where Zach Gordon, Corey Violet, uh, feasted inside so a little bit more ball screening in the 2002 team and obviously as t- uh, you know the years go on they continue to have more and more and more ball screen sets uh, as opposed to the early 2000s um, and the 1999 team which had very very few and now in 2021 obviously that's all they do is set ball screen so it, it, I think it is interesting to see the assist numbers and I mentioned this with Matt Santangelo but Dan Dick out a season where he had six plus assists as well and for the for those guys to have six plus assists, and really with the 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 main offense that they are running being flex, and those guys receiving very few ball screens throughout a game, I think that is just wildly impressive um, that they were racking up you know six you know five six seven assists per season. That's some crazy stuff. It just goes to show you how talented Gonzaga's guards were in the early two thousands. Okay, that is enough for today's trip down memory lane. Tomorrow. The 2003 Gonzaga Bulldogs. Dan Dickow, gone from school. He has graduated. Who steps up for Gonzaga? Of course, the answer is Blake Stepp, but also Roni Turioff's breakout season. And we'll talk about all that tomorrow on the show. Coming up to finish today's program, we are talking Caden Perry. What is Caden Perry's path to playing time as a true freshman when he's got three incredibly talented front court teammates ahead of him? We'll break that down to finish today's program. Before we get to Caden Perry, today's episode is being sponsored by Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing. San Francisco Giants, somehow, someway, still the best team in baseball, even though half their roster is filled with 35 year olds and castoffs. It's amazing. Football season is approaching. It's the perfect time to get in on the fun, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info. For all your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NHL, all of your football needs, and all of your UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online to your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Use promo code Locked On. I would argue if this were probably five years ago, Caden Perry would be one of the most hyped freshmen to ever step foot on Gonzaga's campus. I mean, 
really, I would say even three years ago, it would have been a pretty big deal. But now it seems like he's a little bit of the forgotten man in a recruiting class that features the top overall player in the class in Chet Holmgren and then two other top 30 recruits in Hunter Salas and Nolan Hickman. But I would not make any mistake about this. Caden Perry has an incredibly, incredibly bright future in a Gonzaga uniform. The question is, how can he make an impact this season? First and foremost, of course, he needs to be healthy. Uh, I think I would preface this whole thing by saying the rant I'm about to go on is under the ins- the under the assumption, I should say, that Caden Perry is healthy. Uh, and he's healthy enough to compete this season. He had some back problems. I think he had a couple herniated discs in his back at the end of the uh, high school spring basketball season where he played at uh, Battleground High in Washington. But it looks like he's been working out with the team over the summer a little bit. So let's hope by November uh, and even by October with the start of practices that he's ready to roll. Okay, with all that said, Caden Perry, his path to playing time is to provide something different. Gonzaga has a very unique talent in Chet Holmgren, and they've got one of the best back-to-the-basket big men in the entire sport in Drew Timmy. And then they also have a defensive stopper and the perfect sixth man in Anton Watson. Really, the question is, are there even minutes to be had in the front court? It's possible, but Caden Perry has to provide something different than what all those guys bring. And I think there's a couple ways that he could do that. One of them is simply his athleticism. He is bouncier than any of those three guys, and I don't think it's even close. He is just some absolutely effortless jumping skills, and it's not just his first jump either. His second jump on rebounds and putbacks, just really, really ridiculous stuff. So it's possible that Gonzaga uses him just to throw out a different look with his different athletic ability. And the other possibility to me is his defense. He is going to be an elite shot blocker in his time at Gonzaga. The comparisons are already being made to Brandon Clark, fair or unfair. He was obviously in high school going against, you know, inferior talent to him, um, but you could not score on him at the rim at the high school level, even at the AAU level. I mean, he was a very, very good rim protector against some of the more elite talent of his age. If Gonzaga sees that Drew Timmy is struggling on the defensive end, perhaps they use Caden Perry for a stint here and there, and maybe they see if his rim protection and his athleticism can help Gonzaga in small bursts. The biggest thing for Caden Perry right now is to grow into his body. He still has so much rawness to him. When I watched his high school highlights, and I kind of broke down a little bit of his game film uh, for my website recently. If you want to check that out, you can go to my Twitter profile. It's in the pinned tweet there. Um, and I like to compare Caden Perry to a puppy with huge paws prancing around. He's one of those puppies that you know is going to grow into like an 80, 90, 100 pound beast, but he hasn't quite got there yet. That's what Caden Perry is right now. Once he fully grows into his body with the help of Gonzaga's training staff, he is going to be an NBA-level prospect. I truly, truly believe that. I'm really high on Caden Perry, and I'm really excited to see what he does as a sophomore next season after Drew Timmy and Chet Holmgren leave and the training wheels come completely off. But for this season, it's all about learning from those guys and getting better. And if his athleticism or his defensive ability 
proved to be different enough to earn him some rotation minutes, that's awesome. Because those two things, I think, are his path to playing time this season. And that, my friends, is going to do it for today's show. Tomorrow, we're going to be back to the women's side talking about Abby O'Connor's path to playing time. And just like Sierra Walker yesterday, Abby O'Connor is taking advantage of her free year of eligibility. So we'll talk about how she can improve. And then, of course, we're going to look back on the 2003 Gonzaga Bulldogs, who earned the school's first ever at-large bid to the NCAA tournament and had arguably the best NCAA tournament game in school history up until the UCLA game this past April. Before we go today, if you are a baseball fan, betting on the MLB does not have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast, hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget, you can also rate and subscribe to this podcast. Please leave us a five-star rating. Follow me on Twitter at scargo. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnZags. If you want to email the show with any questions or ideas you want me to talk about, feel free to do so. The email is LockedOnZags at gmail.com. Everybody enjoy your Wednesday. We will see you back here tomorrow morning. It is a great day to be a Zag.